Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Would you turn your Bible to Acts chapter 14, verse 8? Sometimes when we're going through something, we can get so low and down and depressed that it never dawns on us. I mean, we think we're the only ones going through something, or what we're going through is the worst possible thing anybody could go through. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're going to meet this guy in this scripture today that had a lot more problems than you've ever even thought of from his birth. I can't even imagine. Well, let's just look at it. Acts chapter 14, verse 8. And there sat a certain man at Lystra. Now, Lystra is a town in uh, Niconia. It's modern-day Turkey. Uh, At the time that this took place, uh, the Romans were in charge of it, named it Galatia. It's the birthplace of Timothy, not far from Antioch. I know not a lot of this doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, it was established by Emperor Augustus in 6 AD to make Roman occupation more effective. That's Lystra. So th- there was a certain man at Lystra, impotent. That means no strength, no ability to function, right? In his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never, everybody say never. He never had walked. You think you got problems? Can you imagine that? Now, people like that can't work. They probably, I, I don't know, but they probably, his family probably picked him up every day, took him down to the temple, to one of the gates where people were coming and going. People were going in there to offer sacrifices, to give money. And, you know, it's the same today in the old city of Jerusalem. Uh, The Jaffa Gate and all of those gates, there are people there looking for uh, help. Alms, they call it, A-L-M-S. And can you imagine doing that every day of your life and people looking at you and looking down on you and judging you? Well, there's a reason why you're like that. You did something nasty. This guy didn't do anything. He was just born. Amen? But I want you to watch this. This is is amazing. And then verse 9, the same heard, the same man, the the crippled man, he heard Paul speak. And 
the word who there is referring to Paul. Paul steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Somehow, as Paul was preaching, he looks down at this crippled man and he perceives in the spirit, he gets a word of knowledge, that somehow this man has the faith to be healed. Folks, this is so powerful I can't even tell you. We don't know anything about the crippled guy. We don't know uh, there was no Christianity yet. Uh, I mean, there was, but it was it was a, a, a very small uh, space. And and uh, this guy, we don't know his anything about his spiritual condition. But somehow Paul looks at him, and and he perceives that he has the faith to be healed. Now, what that tells me is, if you need something from the Lord, you need to believe Him for it before you get it. We're not like that. We usually believe God after we get it. Lord, I need some money. Now give me some money and I'll believe you. There's only one way you can believe before you get it. That means, here it is. You have to trust Him. Several things. Number one, you trust that He's a good God. He's not an evil God. He's a good God. Number two, how does He feel about you? He loves you unconditionally. He decided to love you. You didn't have anything to do with it. He decided to love you. And he decides not to ever change his mind about you. He has taken your sins and erased them, removed them as far as the east is from the west. You with me? That's your God. He doesn't, listen, when you hurt, he hurts. When you cry, he weeps. He doesn't want you to cry. He doesn't want you to weep. He wants you to stand up and be bold and, and have a good peace in your heart. He wants you to walk in joy. And oh, so many of us are not walking in joy. There, there's reason for that for some of you. Uh, I've been in uh, a pain, certain pain, for almost 40 years, nonstop. And, uh, you know, you go to doctors today and uh, you, you try to get help. They think, all of them think you're a drug addict. <laughs> And so, uh, it's pretty difficult to live uh, with pain. I went to a uh, Dr. George in Lubbock. He's a nationally known spine surgeon. And I had, had an MRI. And uh, I went into his office, and he, I sat down, and he said, Well, your neck is really messed up. He said, I can operate, but I'll have to go through your mouth. I'll have to cut your tongue in half. I'll have to go through the back of your throat to get to it. And he says, I can't guarantee that you won't be worse off than you are now. I said, no thanks. Because I didn't want to imagine it being worse than it was. I've probably had 20 MRIs or more over the years. I've been to, uh, to Dr. Roswell, who was a, uh, a brain doctor and a spinal doctor. Uh, listen to me. God knows. My wife and I have prayed. We've, we've, we've not, got, I'm not gotten angry with God, but I, I'm just like you. I'm human, just like you. I've asked God, God, why? I'm in the ministry. I need all the strength I can get. Why don't you heal me? You hear that silence? The Lord 
when he speaks on this matter, he says, trust me. In my case, maybe not yours, but in my case, this pain humbles me. And let's be honest, there's times that I need to be humbled. I had some people up here for prayer this morning was telling me that some members of their family were angry with me, felt like I was snubbing them. And uh, I don't, I don't turn away from that. You know, I, I don't smile much. I was it's because of the way I was raised, and uh, and so people look at me and think, "Well, is is he going to hit me?" <laughs> and uh, so, if I've offended any of you, I ask you to forgive me. Just pray for me that I'll, I'll be more, uh, a better pastor. Let's put it that way. But I want you to look at this guy. Look at verse ten. Paul says with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet and be, and he leaped and walked. This guy didn't just, you know, grab a rock and, and try, he leaped up off the ground and landed on his feet and started walking. You with me? And people probably that were watching that had seen that crippled man at the temple gate Day after day, month after month, year after year, they knew who he was and what his problem was, and they were astounded. Uh, I'd be astounded too. I've had three people raised from the dead in my ministry, and I was astounded every time. It didn't have anything to do with me, thank God. It was him. It was him fulfilling the promise that he not only gave me, but he gave to you. Jesus said, the things that I have done, you shall do. And greater than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. What did he do? He raised the dead. He healed the sick. The blind. And what's he saying? He's saying you can do the very same thing. But you got to believe. See, a lot of you can't get past your own personality and your own guilt complex. Well, I know God would use you, but he won't use me because I'm just, I don't know, I'm, I'm just not... He, he didn't like me because I'm dirty. And listen, don't forget what we said. He takes your sin and removes it from, from himself as far as the east is from the west. And you can go to him right now today and say to God, God, what about that big sin I did back in 1972? You know that big one? And what will he say? What are you talking about? Only God has the ability to alter his memory so that he erases it from his own memory bank. When, listen to me. If you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, every time God the Father looks at you, he sees perfection. You know why? Because he's looking at you through the blood of his own son. The blood was perfect, and when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past your failures, your abortions, your fornication, whatever it is. He sees perfection. I know it's hard for you to grasp a hold of that, but let me tell you something. It's the truth. This God we serve is astounding. He is such a good God. Now, when the people, verse 11, saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying, in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. you got to remember, a lot of these are Roman. They've been conquered by the Romans. The Romans were what we called uh, 
poly what? Polytheists. In other words, not polygamists. That's a different deal. Uh, polytheists. And that means they believed in, poly means many, many gods. That's important for you to know. They didn't know exactly what was going on, going on and which one of those gods that they worshipped and believed in uh, was coming down to, to touch them. They lifted, let's see, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men, verse 12, and they called Barnabas Zeus. That's in the Greek Zeus, uh, in the scripture, Jupiter. In the Greek, Jupiter is Zeus. And they called Paul Mercurius. In the Greek, that's uh, Hermer. Let me see. What's what happens you get old, you know? Uh, Hermes, thank you, because he was the chief speaker. They called Paul that because of how eloquently he spoke. Paul was one of one of the smartest intellectual men who ever lived. He studied at the feet of a man named Gamaliel. Uh, scientists and scholars have studied Gamaliel for centuries and determined that he's probably one of the top three intellects that ever lived. And Paul would go and sit at his feet and Gamaliel would knowledge into his brain then verse 13 the priest of Jupiter which was before their city brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people in other words this high priest of Jupiter has come and he's got offerings and they're going and he's planning on worshiping Paul and Barnabas well let's see how that goes over uh 14, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent or tore their clothing and ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you. In other words, we're no different than you. We're not gods. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Never, ever are we to worship angels, other gods, people. And i got to tell you something. In America, we're seeing a lot of worship, worship of actors and actresses. Come on. And you know, most of those people are probably worse than you when it comes to sin and being away from God, and yet we're worshiping them because they had a gift to act. And oh, that just really gets us going, doesn't it? Really gets us going. So, as I go through this message, I want you to keep thinking about that crippled man. Look at Acts chapter 14, verse 19. Now, it's just a couple of scriptures over. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Verse 20, Howbeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. You know, if, if I was in a town and they just got through stoning me, 
if they didn't quite kill me and I got up, I think the last thing I'd want to do is go back into that city. How about you? That's exactly what he did. God wants to do extraordinary things in your life. And the mistake that these Jews who stoned him made was they presumed he was dead. Don't ever presume with God. All things are possible. When they took Jesus and nailed him to the cross, they didn't kill him, he gave his life. But as he lay up on that cross dead, they presumed that their problems were over, at least with that man. He wasn't going to try to lead the people away from the Roman beliefs. Rome had conquered Israel as well. They presumed. Presumption. Presumption means you think you know more than God knows. Don't ever forget that. God tells us that you can do extraordinary things, but it's another thing to believe that you can. That's the key. And listen, what the devil does, he can't kill you, but he can lie to you. He'll sit on your shoulder here and lie to you. And when the day comes that you come into agreement with him, you're sunk. He'll, he'll tell you, well, you're not good for anything. God just showed you a little mercy, but he really doesn't like you because your sin's worse than everybody else's. Come on. That's presumption. Listen, don't, don't buy into that. Satan is the father of all lies. And let me tell you something. We all need to change our attitude about church. Church, don't ever think that people who attend church are weak and spineless or that they're using church as a crutch. Church is a feeding place where dreams get their nutrition. I like that. A feeding place. It's a family. It's tight and secure. And this pandemic, which was given by the devil, it was planned by him to split churches, and that's exactly what it has done. I've talked to pastors in several states. They're all going through the same thing as we are. Right when the pandemic hit, we were pretty much full. Every chair almost was filled every Sunday. Then the pandemic comes along, COVID. Next thing you know, people are dying, getting sick. Uh, Particularly the elderly in our church got got freaked out because they they had grandkids and they didn't want to get it and somehow give it to them. So they stayed home. We've got people right now watching this by Facebook. And we're glad you're with us. God bless you. But do you understand? Church, there's a reason for church. And this is where God teaches you. And this is where you learn how to get along with other people. Look at John chapter, well, I'll just read it. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal, that's Satan, to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen? You know what? We need help. When do you need help? Now! (laughs) And that's what church is all about. So just 
change your thoughts about church. Well, sometimes, John, you, you, you talk too long or it's boring. or uh, Yeah, and sometimes you sleep out there in your seat and almost fall on the floor. And uh, <clears throat> so it's kind of a two-way street. While we're waiting on the gospel train to pick us up to go to heaven, we're concerned with now, today. We need help now, and that's what this church is all about. I have faith for this church that it's coming back, and it is. Uh, Liz and I met a couple at the jewelry store just yesterday. And uh, maybe it was, no, it was Friday. And uh, I noticed he was wearing a cross, but they also had, uh, they were dressed a little differently than you and me. That's all I'm going to say. But I went over to him and introduced myself. I said, I see your cross. I said, are you a Christian? He said, yeah. I said, well, where do you go to church? Well, we're looking. We just haven't found it. He said, I just moved here from Alaska. I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, really? And we got to talking, talking to his wife. He told us some of the things that had happened in their life. It was amazing. And uh, she works on Sunday, which is why they're not here, but they're supposed to be here Tuesday night. So, you pray for that. Pray for them. Mandy and Daryl is their name. Can you put that down on your prayer list? They seem like very nice people. As Paul looked at the man, he perceived that he had the faith to be healed. It's important because some people think that if your life gets bad enough, God will feel sorry for you and just come down and heal you. But the reality is everyone has a certain amount of trouble. God wants you to live by faith. Trouble. Well, you got trouble, my friend. You got trouble right here in River City. Remember that song? Something about it. Uh, it rhymes with P and it stands for pool. Pool game. Anyway. Oh, you want to sing it for us? <laughs> The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 38, The just shall live by faith, but if any man draws back, listen, my soul will have no pleasure in him. Don't have faith and then because you didn't get it immediately or God said, well, you know, I, I've told you this before. When we were on the road uh, for all those years, uh, going to Canada, I'm going to be up there two months. You know, I don't know about you, but when I go on a trip, I like to have everything taken care of beforehand. Plenty of money. And so we were about to leave for uh, going to uh, Santa Fe, Colorado, and then going to cut across into Arizona and California up and down the coast, and then into Vancouver, Canada, and, and across there and back down into the States. Got ready to leave. The, the next day we were leaving, I had, I had two tanks of gas in that motorhome and I had $25 in my pocket. That was it. I said, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, God, <clears throat> can we talk? You told me to go on this trip and you said you'd supply all of my needs according to your glory and your riches in heaven. He said, well, you, you don't need anything more than you need today, do you? I had food in the, in the motorhome, in the refrigerator. We had gasoline. At $25. Now this, this motorhome, you got to understand, you talk about faith. This is where I learned faith. And by the way, faith, the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word. 
But let me tell you something. The way faith is entrenched into your life is through experience. I believe God gave us that motorhome to teach us faith. Every time we went somewhere, something would break down. We were in North Dakota, and something happened. The timing chain in, in the front of that engine, something happened there. I, I don't know what. It, the, the thing would barely run. I could maybe get 50 miles an hour out of it. Didn't know what to do, but I knew I had a friend that owned a farm down in Colorado, southern Colorado, and we drove all the way down there. Oh, I'll, I'll help you. And he took it in the barn, and he pulled the timing chain cover off the engine. There is a chain in there, and it just literally fell into a thousand pieces onto the concrete. And he looked at me, and he shook his head and said, there's no way you could have driven that down here. Well, I did. And, and that was just one. I mean, every... The le as I told you the other day, the least trouble we ever had was uh, on a trip where we got uh, a fuel pump that went out, and that was it. The rest of the trip was great. God knows how to meet your needs. By the way, while we were on those trips, all of my needs back here were taken care of, my rent, my, my utilities. I'd, I'd take some money that I got in offerings, and I'd uh, mail it down here, and we had a friend that would go and pay our bills. So we got back, never missed a payment of any kind, and was never late. And that's because of God. When I got back to town from that two-month trip, I had about a quarter of a tank of gas when I pulled in the driveway and $25 in my pocket. That was it. You know, and that was back in the days I was doing, how many of you remember Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship International? We had a chapter right here in Carlsbad. I did over, listen to this, I did over 800 of those chapter meetings, 800. The average offering was about $75. I remember one time I drove over 600 miles one way to minister in one of those meetings. When I got ready to leave, they gave me $50. You can imagine, I guess, that that wasn't quite enough to even buy gasoline for the trip, let alone for John and Liz to get blessed. But still, we learned faith through that. We learned that we could trust God and that he would never forget about us. Here's a man laying by the gates, begging, never walked in his life, and somehow Paul perceived that he's got faith to be healed. How in the world did this man have... I, I want to meet that man when I get to heaven. I want to meet him. I want to ask him, how, how did you walk in faith when, from the time you were born until you were healed by God through the hands of Paul? How did you manage to, go, you know, to gather up enough faith to believe that there was a God and that he loved you and he wanted to heal you? How? How was it possible? Paul was commanded, he commanded the man to do something his circumstances said he couldn't do. He said, get up, leap! Get up and walk. The guy leaped up off the ground and began to walk. You know what? We don't really need pity, do we? But what we do need is a challenge. I challenge every one of you in here. Listen to me. Look at me. I challenge every one of you, no matter what you're going through. You got a, How many of you got something going on that you'd like to see uh, resolved? Come on, lift your hand. Look at that. Almost everybody. I challenge you to believe God today. Before you leave here, I want you to pray and say, Lord, 
I believe you now. I believe that my need is met in Jesus' name. Uh, like your healing. The Bible says, by his stripes we were, no, not are, we were healed. It's past tense. That means it's done. It's over with. Everything you need to get healed in your body has already been taken care of. All you've got to do is believe it. And you know why, uh, for example, when I get I bring people, uh, that was another thing. When we were on those trips, God was using me for salvation and for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. One day, one day I said, Lord, why are, why are these people struggling with speaking in tongues? You know what he said to me? Bad teaching. So I'd go in those meetings, and uh, we, we might have 30 people saved, and then I'd say, how many of you want the power of God? And, man, we'd have 50, 60 people come in almost every situation. Every single one of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. And I believe God set it up that way. They didn't, you know, that when you, how many of you remember when you received tongues for the first time? You're, you're like... Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. And the, and the guy says, stop. No, don't, don't pray in English because you can't pray in two languages at the same time, right? Okay, okay. Oh. And I said, I'll say to one of them, you got to speak because by faith he wants to use your voice box. He's going to give you the words that you will not understand. There's a reason for that because a lot of times we pray selfishly. God says, I want you to open your mouth and pray and believe that the words that come out of your mouth are from me. And there's power in them. And, for, and the guys, you know, and, and I don't grab anybody's tongue. I don't do that. But I, I will encourage you. And finally, Lord, that was a word. Start with that. Next thing you know, boy, and their smile comes. You know what you said? I ain't got a clue. Sometimes God will have you pray in tongues for some guy in Africa. You have no idea who he is. Maybe he's fixing to get executed. He's a missionary. God woke me up one night and said, get on the floor, on your knees. I want you to pray if there's a man in Africa that is in desperate need. I said, well, who is he? He said, you don't need to know. You just need to obey me. Speak in the Spirit. So I spoke in tongues. I don't know how long. I felt a peace. I got up and got in bed. Later the Lord said his need was met. Well, who, who was he? You don't need to know that. But you've got to have faith that whatever God gives you is real. It's from him, and there's power involved in it. Now, here's another problem that we have. Just I don't know how this guy did it. The, the, the man who had the problem of not being able to walk, he's in public. Every day people are walking by looking at him and they'll turn away. Or they'll laugh at him, some of them. Yeah, there are people that laugh at people like that, aren't there? Judging him. When your problem is public, it brings shame. It's traumatic when the secret problem that you have goes public if you used to walk but can't now you still remember him you've got to remember him you've got to know if you've been in an accident something happened you've got to believe that God can restore to you everything amen it's one thing to be secretly lame 
but it's quite another to be publicly lame. Some of us have secret problems. How many of you got a secret problem? I do. Something you don't want anybody to know. But it's really something when your secret problem goes public. Uh Uh-oh. If you used to walk and then you couldn't walk and then God healed you, at least you knew how to walk. But what if you had never walked? That man didn't even know what walking was. So you've trained your muscles in your feet and legs. You don't even think, okay, take a step. Take another step. It's just automatic. It's automatic. You've been doing it all your life. This man had never done it. What's nice about God, though, is when he healed you, you don't have to go through training, therapy, and take years to become like everyone else. God doesn't need a 12-step program, and I'm not putting those down. They, they have value. But God doesn't work that way. God does extraordinary things. He healed you. He loves you. You belong to him. And listen to this. He's jealous over you. But now I've got to get some balance in here. I talked about actors earlier. I was in love with Elvis Presley. I'm just I'm telling you the truth. Now, Elvis could sing, but that doesn't mean he had a, a lesson for me or that he could be an example to me. I thought he was, but... And he claimed to be a Christian, and he sang gospel music and had a couple of gospel albums. Amen? Never had a lesson in his life, a voice lesson. It was natural talent. But in the end of his life, he couldn't turn to his God for some reason. Uh, maybe he, he felt he couldn't go to church because people would just be all over him. Could you give me an autograph? Or can I bow at your feet? Or So... He got further and further away from God. He was in pain. He gained a lot of weight. He had all this pressure on him. He started taking uh, medications. And one day he over-medicated and he died in the bathroom, on the toilet. That was in 1977, I believe. Liz and I were in Las Cruces when that happened. I was singing on the bass there, and I cried. But God never wanted me to worship him. He wanted me to pray for him, and I did. And I pray, listen to this, I'm praying right now that he's with the Lord. I think he is. Even though he wasn't living right, he wasn't a bad person, he wasn't an evil person. He loved God, but he didn't know how to Live it. Amen? So, say a little prayer for Elvis. <laughs> we got some people, like we've got an athlete that we worship. Dennis Rodman's a good example. The guy has, how many of you know Dennis Rodman? He's been to China, or no, I mean North Korea, I guess it is. I don't know how many times. They love him over there. But all he does when he gets there is he just gets drunk. And the, the guy that runs North Korea just thinks he's a hoot. And uh, they'll get a basketball team up and he'll run around and fall down. You know, he, you don't 
worship people like this. Probably is one of his problems. When he stopped playing basketball, nobody was worshiping him anymore. So he had a tendency to go down the tubes. Lord Jesus, what will we do? Well, one thing we need to do is learn from this this lame man. The greatest miracle about that lame man was not that he got healed. It was that God used an ordinary, an ordinary man to do it. Just That's what Paul said. We are like men, just like you. We're not any different than you. Don't worship us. Don't worship angels. How many of you have ever seen an angel? Anybody? Really? Where did you see an angel? Huh? Were you in it? Oh, I see. That she had died in the wreck? Wow. Wow. How about you, Mike? Michael? Speak up real nice and loud. What do you think that meant? You think you think God loves you? That's good. Michael's been through a lot too in his life, but he's still with the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know that's the difference between them and you. The truth is that. There are some ordinary people who do not allow their ordinariness to stop them from having extraordinary faith. Don't ever let the devil cheat you out of being who you have been called to be in the Lord. We've all been called to high places. It's not because you're something, it's because he's something. Amen? Oh, God help us. Some people think you're crazy. You know, I have a tendency, I pray for... Everybody that I think has a need, I just pray for them. I think I told you that story about Dr. Gutierrez. We were a Sunday right after church. We remember the old first cafeteria, and, and uh, I, I, he was my doctor, so I had been uh, kind of witnessing to him every time I went to see him. And uh, he, he wasn't really a believer at that time, and he thought that was kind of funny. But when we, we got in the door of the of furs and then went through the wooden doors into where the food was, and I looked up, and there he was ahead of us with his tray of food. And uh, he he saw me. He turned around and saw me and said, Hey, John, don't forget to pray for me. <laughs> and he turned back to his tray. I just left the line and walked right down there, and I tapped him, and he turned around, and I grabbed both of his hands, and I got a good grip. Lord, I pray for Dr. Gutierrez in Jesus' name. I lift him up to you and ask you to save him, heal him, and let him know that you're real. And he's doing like this, trying trying to get out of it. But let me tell you the fruit in that. Not long after that, he got very ill, ill to death. He was on the second floor, and back then, they put your name on the door. They don't do that anymore. 
But I was up there seeing somebody else, and I walked by, and there's Dr. Gutierrez. But there were signs splattered all over that door. Keep out. See the, the nurse. Don't go in here without permission, blah, blah, blah. I just went over there and opened that door, and he was laying on his right side, and he looked up at me when I opened the door. You know what he did? We're not at PERS anymore. We're in trouble. I walked over to him, and I took his hand and said, Yes, sir, what can I do? He said, you know, he said, pray, please pray. That's how doors are open when you care for somebody. And don't get me wrong, you'll have people that get angry with you. How many of you know this crippled guy wasn't going to be angry with anybody? He had to be all his life saying, why can't I walk? I want to walk. And here's a glimmer of hope. Get up. Leap and walk. That's exactly what happened. You can do that too. I'm just like you. I'm nobody. Outside of God, I'm nobody. There's nothing special about me, and there's nothing special about you. But with your God, you're more than enough. Look what the Lord has done. Never, listen to me, never lose sight of who you are. And never lose sight of who raised you up. Never lose sight of the one who came to live in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. And he came with gifts. He didn't come empty-handed. And he bestowed and showered those gifts on you and you still have them. Some of you have never, just like today, we had a message in tongues. And I, I, what I always do is, Please obey the Lord. Silence. And finally, somebody gave an interpretation. Thank you, Charles. But, you know, we need some new people to rise up. Uh, Harley, you had one of the most beautiful prayer languages I've ever heard. You remember coming out to my mobile home out uh, at Rocky Royer? And he was sitting there on the couch, and we prayed. You remember that? And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this language came out of him. I'm telling you, it sent shivers up me. I, I'm not making this up. Scared you? Let me. It made me cry. And that's still in you. It's powerful. It was. Oh, it's powerful then, and it's powerful now. Oh, let's let's look at another scripture, and then I'm going to close. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. For to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. One day, I was seeking the Lord, and he asked me, What do you want from me, John? And you know what? Listen to this. You know what I said? He'll ask all of you the same question. And then somebody will say, yeah, can, can you make, make it possible for me to win the lottery? You know what I said? And I'm not trying to be spiritual here. I said, Lord, I ask you to give me wisdom. Boy, was I a dumbo. You know, God doesn't just drop by your house one day and give you a little white pill and you take it and you got wisdom. Wisdom comes through experience. And a lot of it is nasty experience. Somebody crushes you, says something to you that wounds you to the core. 
Now, you can go two different roads when that happens. You can get bitter, nasty, and, and curse them back, or you can go the way of God. You can forgive them and pray for them and try to do something nice for them. I mean, that story of the man that went to a luncheon, and uh, he was seated, they seated him by, beside an old woman. She was a granny, grandma, and uh, it was a Christian thing. And after he talked to her, he wasn't even sure why she was there. She didn't seem to be a Christian. Anyway, the, the thing broke up, and uh, he, he felt the Lord speaking to him. And he went over to another person and said, do you know that lady? And she said, yeah, well, what's her name, and do you know where she lives? And she, he, she told him. The next day, he showed up at her house with his lawnmower and his edger and got it out of the truck, didn't knock on the door, started mowing the yard. She hears the noise. She goes to the window and looks out. What is he doing? Why is he doing it? Yeah, a yard needs to be mowed, but, but who is that guy? So she stomps out there. What do you think you're doing? She said, he said, I'm obeying God. He told me to bless you. What? He told me to come by and bless you today, so I want to mow. Well, I don't have any money. He said, I don't want any money. I just want to do this for you. Boy, there was something that was broken in her. Pride. Anger, resentment, bitterness from years and years ago. Why? I think I told you another, uh, as I traveled, one day the Lord, we went to all these places and cities, and one day the Lord came and started revealing to me people that I'd met who hated me. Uh, one of the highest uh, guys in full gospel businessmen his wife hated me. She got the idea somewhere that I had cursed her son or something. He died, and I didn't, but that's the way it was. Every time I'd see them, I'd go over to talk, and she'd get up and leave. And then God showed me about 10 or 15 people that I needed to do something about. And some of them I called, but most of them I wrote a, I wrote a letter to this woman. And I said, I just want you to know that I realize there's something wrong between us and I want you to know it's my fault. Take the blame. You say, well, won't that be lying? Not usually, because usually part of it is your fault. I said, I want you to know it's my fault, and I, I, all I can do is ask you to pray for me and help me to be a better person. Now, about two months later, we were in Phoenix, and we, we were doing another, it was a regional meeting of Full Gospel, and her husband was there. He was in charge of the meeting. And after a meeting, we went up on the top floor, and they had a big suite up there, and they had all this food, and it was for the people that were involved in, in putting on the show. And So I'm over there getting me a plate of food, and I feel something brush up against my arm, and it's this lady. Now, she couldn't say, I got your letter, and, and, and I forgive you. She, she couldn't, you know, but you know what she said? She said all she could say. She said, looked at me crying, and she said, you sing better than big John Hall. And then she ran away. John Hall back then was the premier singer in America. If I did 800 chapters of the full gospel, he probably did a 1,000 or more. 
And she said, you sing better than Big John Hall. And then she turned and quickly walked away. That was her way of saying, I forgive you, and I hope you'll forgive me. See, they won't always give you the words that you think you ought to hear, but they'll give you an action. They'll give you a hint. They'll give you an eye. They'll, they'll, somehow they'll tell you. You've got to be open. And don't be so prideful that you say, well, if I don't get a, uh, I'm sorry and I'll never do it again, then I'm not going to believe them. Some people aren't, they don't have the ability to do that. How many of you got somebody that you know you need to forgive? Be honest. Come on. I want you to pray in the next few days and just ask God how to handle that. He might say, call them. He might say, go see them. Maybe not. He might say, send them a letter. Would you do that? Now, keep in mind, you may get totally rejected. But then again, you may gain a friend. You may gain a friend. That's the story of our God. In that same city, they stoned Paul. And we read that. They supposed he was dead. That was their biggest mistake. The Bible says he rose up and he went right back into the city. Right back into the fire. You know why? He was an apostle, and the apostle's job was to form churches. He would go into a city and stay two or three years. He would meet men, and he'd teach them and raise them up, make them elders. That's another word for a pastor. He might appoint, appoint one of them as the chief pastor and get it all in order, and then he'd leave. And you know what? No sooner had he left than here comes the backbiters and uh, usually they were Jewish people. Uh, and sometimes they were uh, the Jews that had accepted Christ. Because Paul was saying, it's not necessary for you to get circumcised. It's not necessary for you to always eat kosher food. Oh my God, you might as well just stab some of those people in the heart. They've been raised all their life. that you, Men, you've got to get circumcised and you've got to eat kosher food. And there's laws that you have to follow. It was a religion of laws. The Bible says in Galatians that the law was a schoolmaster. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against the law. I believe we should obey the Ten Commandments. But it's not about the law. It's about grace and mercy and love. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For by grace are you saved. Grace means unmerited or undeserved favor. It means that God saved you because He wanted to. He required you to do two things. Everybody look at me. You know, this same couple I'm talking about, uh, well, no, I'm not going to tell you. I've gone to other people when I, usually when I'm witnessing to somebody I've never met, if they, even if they have a cross there like mine, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. And you remember that little story I made up? Suppose you died and your spirit left your body, went up to the gates of heaven, and it was locked. And then an angel comes around the corner and says, why should I let you in? What are you going to tell him? Well, I love God. 
I'm a good person. Uh, the Pope's a friend of our families. I go to the right church. There's only one right church, and I go to it. And a guy from the Church of Christ, I said, uh, how come, I was being, you know, I wasn't being snotty. I was how come you guys named your church the Church of Christ? He said, because we are the Church of Christ, the only Church of Christ. That's what he told me. And you could see the pride rising up in his eyes. I said, why don't you use musical instruments in your service? Because musical instruments aren't mentioned in the New Testament. So because of that, they don't use them. And I'm not trying to put them down. I don't know where they are. I'm just telling you, listen. Uh, one thing this guy did tell me the other day was he was raised in a church of legalism. Women had to wear their hair on top of their head, had to wear a dress. And a man, you get off easy. You didn't, you didn't have any rules, right? And uh, he said, I'm not interested. He said, the pastor, when I was a little boy, I'd go to children's church, and, and if, if I didn't do what the, the, the lady said that was our teacher, uh, she'd go get the pastor, and he kept up there and spanked me. I said, well, I was wearing shorts, by the way. I said, you see how I'm dressed? I said, that's the way I'll, I'll come on Wednesday nights. Really? See, we're not into legalism. We're not into what it looks like, what it sounds like. We're into God's mercy. We're into God's love and His grace and His goodness. One last scripture, Romans 8, 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you see the same thing that happened to Jesus as he lay in the tomb they didn't have embalming back then I don't know if you wear what embalming does it doesn't do anything except it retards the, the growth of the yuck, of the, the, your body falling apart. Uh, it, it just lengthens that time. They go up here in your neck somewhere and they get a blood vessel, they pump all the blood out, and they put embalming fluid in there. And it makes your body last a little longer. That's all, that's all it is. I don't care what condition your body's in. If you're in the grave, if there ain't nothing left of you but bones, or if you got cremated and the only thing left is a, a little bit of ashes that your 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 uh, your brothers and sisters threw out into the mountains because that's where you wanted them to do it, he'll find what's left of you, right? And on the day of the rapture, he will raise your body up and make it just like what happened to Jesus. Glorify it. You'll be able to walk through walls. You won't need doors anymore. You can fly. Oh, I can't wait to fly. How about you? Let's pray. I think I know everybody in here. If you're here today and you're not absolutely 100% positive that were you to die today, you'd go to heaven, I want you to put your hand up. Say, pray for me. I'm not sure. Anybody?
if you're here today and you want to get closer to God, raise your hand. I should see hands everywhere. You want to get closer to God. Come on. Father, you see those hands. Mine's up too. I'm asking, Lord, that you will grant the desire of every heart in this room. Thank you for our church. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the blood. Satan, we bind you, curse you, and cast you out of this church. I am against COVID, and I cast it out of the earth. People dying all over the world. We bind that and cast it out. Lord, as we go today, let us feel your presence and know that you are our God. Let us hear your voice deep down in our spirits with giving us direction or just love. A few words from you in love can make all the difference and we receive it. Say, I receive it. Say it again, I receive it. In Jesus' name. Father, as we go today, may you go with us. Give us a great day of rest. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, God bless you. You're dismissed. Hey, don't, don't run out the door real fast. Go greet somebody and say, hey, I'm glad you were here today. God bless you. Now, those of you that are listening by Facebook, uh, thank you. Uh, if you want to, am I still on up there? If you want a place to give your tithe or gift or offering, P.O. Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico. That's P.O. Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico. God bless you as well. Amen. Do what? They can also give online going where? Oh, it's on the website. Okay. God bless you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.